Hey, Nerd Talk Nation, this is your host, Jordan Halstead, and I've got Micah with me today, and we are going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. So, Micah, thank you so much for joining me on this one. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been wanting to do this one for a while now. I know. this. Okay, would you argue that this is one of the best, like, Spider-Man series? Well, I guess there's out of three. Would you, would you argue that this is the best Spider-Man series, or would you still sit with Tobey Maguire, or would you claim Andrew Garfield? Where would you sit? Um, <laughs> you come and you come swinging with the questions right out I of the did. gate. Um, I, I, I'm thinking like if I could put my foot in one and foot in the other, I would definitely put be in the camp of Maguire and Holland. Uh, okay. not so much a fan of the Garfield movies, okay. uh, for various reasons, but I think, uh, in reference to Sony finally sharing Spider Man with the MCU, um, as we know it, um, this definitely. Uh, if we were to like, which we, I don't know if we've done this, but like, we need to take make a podcast and just rank these movies from best to worst and just have like a, a full blown debate. This would be towards the top for sure for me. What yeah, this, this film. Okay. So 2017, I've got a lot of nostalgia to this film. Um, I had just graduated college and I was waiting to hear back from churches and we were living with a family member and I worked at a drive-in and this was one of the, this and Wonder Woman, this Wonder Woman. And I think a Despicable Me three, one of the Despicable Me movies. Those were like the big ones that came out that year, emoji movie, whatever. And so having Spider-Man homecoming on, I watched that movie so many times just while like walking around the parking lot. Cause I, I, di- I didn't work concessions. I worked at the parking lot. Um, and it was just, it was a ton of fun. They absolutely loved having us there doing that. And I was like, man, this is great. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've i got a lot of memories tied to this one, but I, I would argue that this is probably one of the best coming-of-age films, not just a Marvel film, but like a coming-of-age film that I've seen in a while. So I, I also loved how, A, they tied it into the Marvel story, but B, how it was an origin story and they took a different approach of how um, they told the story of Spider-Man. And yes. they, and and in this movie, they, they did it from the lens of, okay, we're coming off the precipice of um, civil, war, civil war, but we're getting ready to go into infinity war, but this is kind of in the middle. And there's like, you know, this whole, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but like, I think there was this whole, like, is Sony going to play ball with Marvel? And so they let they let Spider-Man be in Captain America Civil War, but they weren't sure what, moving forward what they were going to do as far as the rights and if they were going to be able to make the movies. And, and is that is that am I tracking right? To some degree, yeah. I think he had through Far From Home. Okay, I think, so I think that was the official end film because I think he had six appear five or six appearances, and it was like Civil War and but there was still like this negotiation kind of like handshake agreement between Marvel and Sony as far as like. Is Sony yeah. going to play fair with Marvel or let them actually use the rights to Spider-Man since Sony actually owns the rights? To Even the though Disney character. owns the character, they own the rights for movies. It was, yeah, it was this hot mess. And yeah, it- yeah. So anyway, the the whole idea of like, okay, are they going to get anything beyond this? And uh, so I love how Homecoming kind of picks up where Civil War leaves off as far as Spider-Man's first appearance and then like kind of the relationship of uh 
Spider-Man or Peter Parker um, and, and Tony Stark. And so like he, I was watching a little bit of this afternoon when we decided that we were going to do this episode and I just, I was doing a workout and I kind of had the TV turned down a little bit, but like I was just watching what was going on on the screen while I was doing my workout and I saw kind of just the admiration and you could really tell how much he looked up to Tony. And like, there was just this like admiration of, yes, he's Iron Man, but he's Mr. Stark. Like he just wanted to do everything possible to impress him. Yep. And so I love the angle of the story that they told. It was like, there was two lanes, right? One was the origin of, of, of a new Spider-Man of a new generation of Spider-Man. And then how much he looked up to Tony and wanted to be an Avenger. And so like they paralleled that very well in this movie. And so, uh, you know, even to the, to the point of where he gets on, on Tony's nerves, pretty much the entire movie and same thing with happy. And so, uh, this movie is probably one of the most underrated films in the MCU. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Not that it doesn't get the love that it deserves or anything, but like I, I, I was telling you earlier today, like up until recently, it's not been on Disney Plus. It was only on a, on the Star. I think you said the Stars streaming platform. Yeah. And so, like a lot of the Spider-Man movies, again, because Sony owns the rights, it wasn't on Disney Plus. And just recently, Disney acquired the the Amazing they made Spider-Man the deal movies. to be able to. Yep. yep. They said, and, "Hey, any of your any of your content that deals with Spider-Man, we want on here." So they did. So they've done the, the Garfield movies, the 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 Holland movies, Venom movies, and um, Tobey Maguire's movies. Well, and they haven't all... put they haven't put Far From Home or No Way Home on yet. Okay, but they will. I think they're going to. Eventually. I think that's the eventual plan. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's just so many good like moments, and I just I truly enjoy. And one one other thing I want to say quickly before you you share your thoughts, Jordan was was that I think I've shared this with you before, whether we recorded it or not. I love one of the things I love about Tom Holland is he looks deceptively younger than what he is. And so in this movie, while Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire both looked older and the cast looked older than what they actually were trying to portray in their movies, Tom Holland looks deceptively young and he played those characters very well or played this character very well in these movies, far from home, no way home, um, homecoming. And it, it's just incredible. It's incredible to watch. So, you know, now that I've guessed for the last five minutes, Jordan, what do you think of homecoming? The casting is done so well. The I haven't even talked about Michael Keaton yet. Yeah. So go like, ahead. like looking at, looking at the casting and the way that they, you know, when you look at Marvel and look at DC and trying to tell a story where you have multiple villains, I think the only ones that got it right were the Tim Burton Batman films where you had um, like the Riddler and Two-Face or you have Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy and Bane. Like there were ways that some of them connected. Sometimes it hit, sometimes it missed depending on scene. And I would argue that in this movie, having not one but two shockers, having the Tinkerer and Vulture all in the film, kind of working as a crew, not as a Sinister Six, but kind of as, hey, we're all Vulture's crew. Like, that was done really well. To introduce um, the setting up for Prowler with, uh, oh, I lost his name. He was in Community. Um, you know who I'm talking about? 
he was at the he was going to buy a gun and he's like, "Why are you trying to upsell me, man?" Um, I lost his name. Uh, I'm stuck on it too. Keep going. I'll look it up. So yeah. So anyways, uh, having having him in there that was just fantastic. Uh, Donald Glover. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, like, yeah. Setting up with Donald Glover because Donald Glover was actually the inspiration for getting Miles Morales Spider Man into like existence. And so like that was really cool to have that where he's he's in that first movie. And one of my other favorite things about this film is have you ever seen the the movie or the TV show from the nineties, Freaks and Geeks? Uh it's been a long time, but yeah. So Freaks and Geeks had John Francis Daly. He played a kid named Sam Wire. Um, and Sam was friends with a guy named Bill. Bill was Martin Starr, who plays their professor or their 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 school teacher who takes them on the trip. You know, you know which one I'm talking about? Yes. In the in the, in, no. in the movie Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, okay, he, he yeah, plays yeah. he plays their teacher. Yes. Um, so I can't remember his his character's name. John Daly wrote script for this movie. So like there's like long-standing tradition like Sam just was or, or John was was a part of this. It's so cool to see the connections, the ways that they're all uh pieced together. It's it's just one of those really really cool things that I absolutely love to see. So, with that, the movie told a good story and it did an origin without doing an origin. Like We've already, we all know Uncle Ben gets shot. Well, this universe, there is no Uncle Ben. Uh, we all know that spider, the spider bites him on a school trip. Well, the spider's already gone and dead, even though Ned wishes it would bite him too. Yeah, but there's Aunt Marissa Tomei. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see what I did there? Yes, oh, I, I see it, yes. So, oh my gosh, she just, she was done very well. Mm-hmm. Typically, when you see comics with Aunt May, you see this old woman um, very gentle, very sweet, very grandmotherly, but it's Aunt May. And to have this moment where Tony comes in and civ- was it's like, hey, it's your hot Aunt May. Yeah, your hot Aunt May. And she's <laughs> like, well, we do come in all all ages. And I just, I lost it. I thought that was great. And she pairs really well with him, uh, with Tom Holland. Uh, the, the friends cast around him, uh, Zendaya. Oh my gosh, like Zendaya coming in, she just, she nailed it. Because I, I remember watching her on Disney's show, uh, Shake It Up. And I was like, oh, like, cool. We've got like a girl who's around my age. She's, I think, a year or two younger than me, maybe three years younger than me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you've got a girl who's dancing. I don't know if that's ever going to take off for her. And then like, stars in a ton of movies now. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Didn't expect that to happen. And she killed it as her her Michelle Jones um, what, what or What do you MJ. think of how they, how they did that? Where they didn't go the whole MJ right off the top. My friend, my friends call me MJ. I just wish they would have done MJ from the start. I don't like that it was a thrown in last minute. Um, I wish that because like though you've you've taken um, you you've done this whole swapping of of a redhead woman, the the girl next door, for more of the Zendaya vibe. Um, woman of color who who is just smart and commands respect and and she knows what she's doing but still is very beautiful for a woman like though you've switched that out i wish you would have just claimed her as mj from the beginning yeah well 
Well, something that I appreciate, and I and I mentioned it before, but like they were younger, right? So like homecoming, and they kind of do the sophomore, junior, senior year approach with with homecoming, far from home, and no way home. And they're going to get you know more Spider Man movies in the future, and they're probably going to go the college route. Like, and the Tobey Maguire movies, for example, you they graduate, like they graduate high, high school, school in like the first ten minutes of the movie, and then like MJ's you know going out and trying to be an actress and on you know on Broadway and. Uh, one of the things I hate about that uh, when they get to Spider-Man three and Spider-Man three is just garbage. Uh, it has moments, but like, it's just this whole, like th- they're trying to make it about MJ and it's, and the whole Spider-Man concept is just getting lost in all that because, you know, and then they introduce Venom and all this stuff, but like, it's super frustrating. And then Kirsten Dunst gets super whiny and I can't stand it. But with Zendaya, you know, and even Tom Holland for that matter, and all of them, they're like, they're sophomores in high school. So they're still very much kids and they're still trying to figure this out. And so I'd like to get a little protesting in before we go up to the monument or before we do lunch, like (laughs) the way she says that I'm like, like, like you're saying, just they're still kids They're They still have like, they're opinionated. They're going to say what they want. Right. And so like it, it wasn't, but it wasn't forced either. Yeah. And so like, you know, in the, for example, like I'm going to go back and forth between with the Maguire trilogy, but like it was very much, oh, he just loves MJ because she's the girl next door. He just loves her to death. And then like he has to, you know, face adversity. They're friends, yes, but like he loves her. And, you know, Flash is this big muscle monkey, you know, big jock, you know, muscle bound monkey is what my brother would say, but muscle bound monkey where like he's just a big jock and has all the muscles and has all the girls and yep. uh, would just beat up Peter because he's a nerd. Uh, Joe Mangala, Mangagello, Manganello, Joe Manganello is a uh, flash. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and Golly, that had a great cast in that first series, but in the Spider-Man homecoming movie it, and it, and even the cast in all three of those movies, the Holland movies, it just felt very natural and they were, it, it just seemed like they were all different, but in a good way, if that makes sense. You know, I, I talked with my dad because my dad was a huge Spider-Man nerd when he was a student and like he loves Spider-Man. That's his favorite superhero. And he hated what they did to Flash. And I said, Dad, you have to remember bullies are not meatheads anymore. Like bullies are smart. Bullies are like the in the world that we live in. Bullies are Internet based there. It's not necessarily me beating the snot out of you. It's me calling you names. It's me saying, like, that's not Spider-Man. That's Parker in a onesie. Like, like when, when, he, when he continually bullies Peter Parker. Well, one of the first lines he says in Homecoming is he calls him Penis Parker. Yeah. Right? And, like, how stupid is that? But, like, he, it, you could tell from, from Tom Holland's emotional response. But it got, it got under his skin. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it, again, back to their younger, it just... It, portrays really really well mm-hmm. and and it's just it's like you said a different kind of bullying yeah like i don't think i don't think flash touched peter one time in the in the movies and in and either, on all three of those movies did he uh he except for when he flew and swung him but other than that like he didn't like they, there was no physical altercations right there was one um okay. and it was it was on the bus uh, in the Alps and and far, far, from, far from, home. from home, he's trying to take the glasses and I almost called it fail from home. <laughs> when when Peter smacks him and he knocks him out, 
And so, like, that's the only altercation that's really there between those two, like a physical altercation. But, but yeah, Flash keeps bullying him in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the other thing. You're not going to send a really stupid kid to a science school. Like, like that school is literally designed for encouraging science majors, for students who have a, a knowledge and a hunger for knowledge. Like, meathead bullies are not going to be at that school. Like, if he was just at, like, uh, let's just say, like, my, my hometown was Eaton, Ohio. So if it was, like, Eaton High School, like, we didn't have, like, specialty programs, but Midtown High is a school for the sciences. So, like, they, they needed that. And it, like you said, it felt natural. Yeah, I. it's one of the things I appreciated most about it was that it just felt natural. The cast felt natural. Um, one of the things I noticed that was when I was rewatching it today, just, you know, I threw it on, like I said earlier, but like the, they don't really do a great job of telling how he became Spider-Man. It was just assumed because of what they did in civil war. Oh, Spider-Man's here. And then, you know, he just shows up at home. Go ahead. They kind of tell his story through when, uh, when Ned finds out and Ned starts asking questions. So instead of showing it, they tell it. That's what I mean. Like it's a different yeah. approach, but at the same time, but one of the things I noticed today was uh he he jumps over that fence. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. But it's like it's at the beginning of the movie before Ned finds out. And so like you're like you're kind of led to believe like how in the world did he you know do that without quote unquote superpowers? Uh and then like he's even making the web in the lab. Uh, yeah. in the science lab. So like he makes his web and like we find out in No Way Home, like do you make yours? He's like, no, do you shoot it out of your arm? He's like, what? I have to make my own. And like all these, you know, this comedic uh, banter between the three Spider-Men. Uh, I don't know. It, I, it was a different approach and I didn't have a problem with it. However, it was like, it's kind of confusing at the beginning of the movie because it was kind of like, okay, he's already Spider-Man. We know he's Spider-Man, but how is he Spider-Man? Yeah. Whereas with the amazing Spider-Man and then Spider-Man with McGuire, it was like, oh, he gets bit by a spider. They show little, you know, literally everything. Uh, yeah, from start to finish, literally. Yeah. Yeah. His origin is in the first movie for each of those, except for Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. I want to switch gears for a second. Yeah, I want to talk about Michael Keaton as a bad guy. I was actually about to switch us over to that, anyways. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Michael Keaton. How, do you want to start the gush fest, or do you want me to? You know, when I saw the trailer for this movie, I thought Batman, Michael Keaton, Batman is a bad guy. But like, then I had to sit back and think about it. And I'm like, you know, who could play a better bad guy than one of the most amazing, iconic superheroes of all time? Who knows the traits of of a, of a villain? Um, and I was not disappointed when I went and saw those in theaters. In fact, Jordan, I think. Michael Keaton as Vulture and as the villain of this movie was probably my favorite part of this movie. So he was about 64 years old when he was filming this movie. Gosh. If that helps you like age, what year was this filmed? Was it 16? So this would have been filmed in 16 and then 17 is when the release was summer of 17. And he's 71 right now. And he's getting ready to be in the flash movie. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm Batman. 
Yeah. What so, were your thoughts? So Vulture is a character I absolutely love from the the 90s Spider-Man cartoons from uh the Lego video games, the the comics that I've read. Vulture's a very unique character and I loved having the Stark Tech kind of feel because I feel like Marvel up until that point hadn't done too many superpowers yet. It'd been mostly like stuff that you physically can't see the character doing like the Hulk. Yeah. You see the change. That's a, that's a superpower, but like everything else seemed very tech based or like strength based. So nothing, nothing real crazy. And so in this moment, when you're seeing the vulture, you're like, okay, it, what kind of technology is he going to have to use? Because they're in a very realistic world and the wings just being massive. And I'm like, okay, that's scary. Like to see this giant, like, plane kind of thing come in and the guy's got talons that's picking up packages and and boxes and he's and he's flying around like it's a giant jetpack. I was like, man, this thing is sick. And the eyes. I don't know if you noticed his eyes. He's got like purple eyes that kind of like digitally bug out. I'm like, oh and I I loved the way that there there's one scene that really just I, if I was going to claim it as like terrifying, um, big air quotes around that, um, like that that very menacing feel is when they're on the boat and Spidey like webs him up and he just takes his wing and he like grabs it and in between each of the fe- the quote unquote feathers, the metal feathers, he clips the uh, the uh, the web. He had like a few strings of web and he just like clips him, but he's like staring at us as the audience and I'm just like, wow, like he just sold the performance from. When he's good. No, I was gonna say. Well, one, um, the the idea that you know your favorite thing of all time, right? When there's a villain, they didn't kill him. Yes. Oh, two, yes. two. I think the thing that trumps it for me, like uh, in this performance, not as Vulture, but as him, the dad, is when he finds out who Peter is, and he's in that car, and he's got oh, the yeah, gun. I was about to say that, that whole scene. I'm just sitting there like. I was like, okay, is Spider-Man about to get shot? <laughs> you, you talk about an intense moment. Like that whole, that was probably the best scene in that movie for me, as far as like how the range of Michael Keaton's acting, like it, it's yep. incredible. Well, and then and he's like, there's... you just, he's like, you go in there and you show my daughter a good time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you forget about me. You go do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing, but you go show my, go- my, my daughter a good time and just forget about it. Yeah, And then like he has someone set up being the shocker set up to pound on him when he knows like, hey, that he's 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 a good guy. He's not going to stop and, and just enjoy a dance. He's going to break my girl's heart and then he's going to come after me. And then shocker like hits him with the glove. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Phenomenal. Yeah. That's a bad Phenomenal. guy. Yeah. Um, and then he, he shows up in the post credit scene of Mor- and Morbius. Yeah. Which is just, and he comes back as Vulture, which is yep. kind of strange. There's, there's some, some weird stuff with it. I, I wonder where they'll go, because um, I feel like Morbius is supposed to kind of help set off some of the Sony-verse um, with the Madam Web movie coming out, all these obscure films. I'm like, I we don't need a Sony-verse. Um, just dump it all into Marvel. Let them take care of these characters, because not every single one of them needs to see Light of Day. Um, on their own at least. And so anyways, back to, to him. Uh, one of my other favorite things was when he sends his vulture wings around the room and Spidey gets all cocky and he's like, you didn't even hit me. And he's like, 
I wasn't aiming for you. And then like he it clicks in and then he leaves and the building collapses on Spider-Man. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, dude, you just left him for dead. Well, one of the things I appreciated about like, you know, you don't get it a lot of times, like where you get with superheroes, you get like their main personality and then they're like their alter ego, which is their super uh hero ver- version of themselves. Like, okay, yeah. like you have Peter and then you have Spider-Man, right? And in, in most superhero movies, you get that with the superhero, but you don't always get that with the villain. Yeah. And I felt like they revisited that with this with Michael Keaton and his character as the dad and as the uh, the guy that works hard for the the factory, but yet he's not doing the the most legal of things. And then he's the vulture, right? His character as that dad and not the vulture was like almost as menacing as the vulture, right? And yeah. so like one of my at the very top of the movie, like they're at Stark Industries and they're tearing down all that stuff after what happened in the Avengers movie. And like the guy comes in and the, or the government tries to come in and shut him down. And he just slugs that guy right in the face right off the bat. And it's like, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I should have right in the face. Boom. And like, yeah. it's just like, wow, like this is going to be Michael Keaton's going to be a player in this movie. And so, well, I'm surprised that he hasn't been a bigger player since. Yeah. Like I, I was surprised that they moved him to the to the Morbius universe. I'm like, you could have easily he could have broken out of jail. You could have had like, because I think Endgame was the perfect moment for him to break out at some point. Because if half of them, like the snap happens, they they all move around. the The doors get unlocked at certain points. People are like, there, there's so many things you could have told story wise for that. So that way his character could be set up to come back for a Sinister Six. But right now, I mean, you really can't. And I was surprised they didn't do that with yeah. with No Way Home. But like even in Endgame, like, you know, uh not that they really did they could have done it in like the time traveling stuff, but not like at the end battle scene with, with Thanos, but like maybe they go back in time and you know, he gets out and they leave it wide open for future projects. Um yeah. that way. But they put him in Morbius, which I'm not not trashing Morbius. I just don't know. Why well, they you, why they chose that of all places to let him out? Even yeah, it was just a weird post credit scene. <laughs> it was yeah, and it it really felt abrupt, like towards the end. Like th- that movie is just a hot mess, anyways. But but no, I I would agree that that Michael Keaton just he came out swinging that movie. I I don't know that it was Tom Holland's film. I think this was Michael Keaton's film, and Tom Holland just got to play in it. Like and how old was so, Tom Holland so when he? Was in this movie, like Do in what? her life. How old was Tom um, Holland when he okay, filmed it? Tom Holland is two years younger than me, so twenty six, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, ballpark there, because that that movie came out six years ago. So he was probably t- twenty or twenty one. Twenty one, twenty two when they filmed it, something like that. So Michael Keaton's three times his age. Yeah. And yeah. Menacing. Yep. Just crushed it but tom holland it's probably the best of both worlds as far as peter parker and spider-man's concerned that's the that's the argument i make all the time people ask me hey which spider-man do you like which uh peter parker do you like more and i'm like it's always gonna be tom holland because i think that he he carries both of them i think that when you when you look at the three toby mcguire did a phenomenal peter parker mm-hmm. i think his spider-man lacked a lot um, he didn't have the quips. He didn't have just that, the more fun with it. He was a very serious Spider-Man. He was kind of a Batman-ish Spider-Man. 
but we didn't have anything to compare him to at the time, so he did really well. Then you get to uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was superb, like just top-notch, but his Peter Parker lacked. It was very hipster, emo-y kind of feel, and I was like, nah, that's not really Peter Parker. That was the year and the time frame it came out in. Yeah, and and, and, like if you... If you don't just watch a film just to watch a film, but like you do your your movie history and you're like, okay, when did this movie come out? What was the world like in this moment? Then you have a better understanding to the character. Where I feel Tom Holland's character portrayal, they wrote him so well both ways. And he just, he was able to hide as Peter Parker like as a face in the crowd, like there weren't a lot of people like he had a bully. So when he showed up, there was a bully to bully him, but he really didn't have like this big name. He was able to kind of just back out of a situation really easy and, and suit up as Spider-Man. Um, but then as Spider-Man, he just, he quipped, he had fun. He, he was compassionate. He was, Hey, uh, the, the lady with the churro, like <laughs> he's pointing out directions for her. Like there, there was, it was really fun. For, for that character. And I think Tom Holland just, just crushed it. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that, you know, it's kind of interesting too. And I think maybe that was the approach of Marvel when they did this, but like, I think they knew that that Toby was a good Peter, not such a great Spider-Man or he was okay. As Spider-Man. And then kind yeah, of, the he, op- I would say, okay, he wasn't like great. Well, and then the opposite with Garfield, they wanted to make sure and they were super intentional that he was the best of both. Yeah. And in the homecoming trilogy. But and I would so, argue it also comes down to writing how they yes. wrote him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the and then some of the payoffs that we get in No Way Home from the other two trilogies is just stellar. And one of the things I'll say about the Tobey Maguire thing is that, you know, for those movies coming out in the early two thousands and the technology or let's say the lack thereof CGI wasn't really yes. a great thing back then. And, and the guy that uh, Molina that plays Doc Ock, Adam Molina, is it Alan or Adam? Uh, it's, I don't know if it's Molina is th- his last name. Yeah. Plays Doc Ock on Spider-Man two. He talks about in the, the, the extra credits of knowing home, how he used to have to wear the arms for Doc Ock in Spider-Man two. And and the No Way Home movie, he he literally it's CGI, so like he doesn't have to worry about that. And he's like, all these years later, the technology is so much better and it makes his life so much easier as an actor. Yeah, you know, kind of the same thing for for Tom Holland and some of the stuff that was lacking in his early two thousand films. But with Homecoming, I you know, I can't think of a better origin story, and it it, it ranks up there in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a as an origin story, one of the top origin stories in the. MCU. Yeah, uh his name's Alfred Molina. Alfred. Um, for him, why. yeah, that was No, no, it's all good. I started um, with an A. I was like I'm just I'm tired. It's fine. <laughs> no, you're good. Um yeah, no. I, I would agree with that. I think this is it's definitely up there. It's it was for the longest time in my top 5. Um but I don't know that I can keep it in my top 5 anymore. Um there's just so many good films in there, but it, I would say origin stories like in a solo out of like their first movie for all the different superheroes that got their own solos. Um, definitely in the top five. Well, so. and then like you talk about phase three in Marvel, you know, the phase, oh, yeah. like Ragnarok homecoming infinity war and game like far Guardians. from home was even technically in there. Oh yeah. 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 Far, far from home was in there. Um, Ant-Man yeah. and the wasp, black Panther. I mean, 
Phase three crushed it. Yes, it was a very good. It's probably my favorite phase in the MCU. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, kind of switching gears a little bit and homecoming, but like, what did you think of, of, of the suit and the technology that he had versus the other two? Like, you know, not, we're not comparing obviously with McGuire and, and yeah, Garfield, no, no, no. but like so, the Tony Stark technology, his suit was a little bit different. Like the spider was smaller, like it looked differently. Like what, what did you think of all that? I loved how he had a drone. Um, so, so 2018 PlayStation, which is a Sony uh, system, they pushed out the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game. And I, I've been playing that a lot recently. And there's different, like, web combinations you can throw out. So, like, a web grenade, a, uh, like, a motion detector. It shoots and grabs you and then, like, pulls you and webs you against a wall or a different item or whatever. Um, there's, like, little drones. There's shock webs. There's all these different things, like taser web. Um, and what I love is seeing that be kind of grabbed from the movie because he's when he's got that tech he's like man stark really overdid it and like yeah that's a that's a tony thing and i feel like that just screamed iron man in that moment and for him to just tap his chest and like have a little drone flying around and do uh recon for him and um i loved that i loved the suit i actually play in that suit on my spider-man 4 game right now um the homecoming suit uh, I just I think that it's it's very sleek. It kind of still stayed with the military kind of vibe that everyone else was doing in the MCU at that time frame. Um, but it also gave a very 90s kind of feel like in, in certain aspects, like it kind of blended. Hey, this is original uh, Spider-Man like comics from the 60s, like the the webbing under the arms. I loved that. That was one of my favorites of him just being able to shoot the webs out and like glide down. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, well, the whole scene with the Washington Monument, I'm not a big fan of heights. Mm. That just... Did it get you? Every time I watch that movie. <laughs> but when well, he like when he slingshots and goes back into the, the Washington Monument, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I was I was watching it on Disney Plus the other day, and I was like, man, this is awesome. And they, they enhanced a little bit, because there's originally there weren't birds up on there and then they enhanced it and put like two seagull birds kind of thing um that were on top of the washington monument and like you see his hand shoo it away and i'm just like okay like i don't think you needed that but i i can like it was something that i caught i was like oh that wasn't in the original release um but yeah no the the washington monument scene is so cool and i wish this this is the one thing i wish that movie wouldn't have gotten rid of there was a nod to the triskelion um, on their bus ride in, so there, there's a deleted scene. It was, it didn't get fully produced and whatnot. There's, there's things where it shows like the paper where they're showing what would be where, and it's supposed to be as they're driving past where the triskelion was, you would see it still in ruin. So they're still like tearing it apart, like three years later, which I think I think is awesome. Um. I got to ask because you're such a Captain America fan. What did you think of the post credit scene with Captain America and the whole gym video thing? Oh my, okay. Between the, the gym videos, the detention videos, the ending, like anytime Captain America showed up, I thought that was great. Cause I didn't think we would see both Captain America and Iron Man in this film. Like they, they had been promoting Iron Man was going to be in a lot of this, 
which I was hoping wouldn't be the case, and I'm glad it didn't become the case. Uh, I thought they would be much heavier. I thought there was a good balance. Yeah, I thought there was great balance. I thought as they promoted it, it felt like Iron Man was going to have a much heavier hand in the film. Than, he came in when did. needed in the movie, and he always yeah, played a very exactly. good, like in the in the shadows or in the background kind of character. Absolutely, and, and to do some mentoring close and afar, and it just the whole thing. Like I'm glad, Mr. Stark, he, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark. Yes, if you really cared, you'd be here. I am here. Like, like there, there's so much fun. Happy, and I'm ready for my next mission. Yes. So the, there's a lot of balance there, but I didn't expect Captain America to show up in any regard. And when he did, I was like, that's such a fun nod. And that's not the first time Chris Evans has done something of that nature. Because when you look at Thor, the dark world, Loki uh, did his, his transfiguration thing and turns into Captain America. And he's like, let's carry the stars and stripes, my brother. Like he, he says something like for, for America and like completely messing with it. But then like it's between two pillars. And then when he gets to the second pillar, he changes back, but they do that again in end game. And then, uh, the, just the, the scene, I was like, I didn't expect this to happen, but it was such a, a cool little nod that yeah, Captain America would want education. He'd want kids in school. He would want to help out any way he could. And to do like training videos, like, the, the scene where he's in detention and they're like, so you got yourself into detention and does like the, the trying to be the cool youth pastor, the cool dad kind of feel where like he like climbs around the chair backwards. I'm like, oh my gosh, we actually did a promo video for camp um, or that we'll be showing at camp here in a couple of weeks um, for uh state youth convention for our state. And me and the guy who were doing it, we did that same thing to promo our, our state youth convention. And we took it straight from that idea. Like, Oh, so you got yourself caught up into to state youth convention. Here's what you need to know. And like, we, we kind of played off of the idea of what cap did. I was like, that was, it was so well done. Well, Peter's just kind of like a rolling his eyes, which is hilarious. He's like, dude, I flattened you. Or I, I, I just got my butt handed to you a little bit ago. So what did you think of like, Iron Man being in there. Do you think that it would have been a better movie had he not been in there? Do you think that he needed to be in there? Uh, wh- which way do you think it should have gone? Well, as I said a few moments ago, I, I liked how he was in the background. He was in the, like, over the shadows, however you want to describe it. I think it was good that he was in it. And the reason being is, like, I don't think they could have went another direction because, simply because of the way they set it up with Sony and Marvel with him appearing in civil war and how Iron Man recruited him. Right. And so they played off of that story and they had, I think they had to pay it off in this movie and there was just enough of Tony and, you know, and or Iron Man and they didn't get carried away with it. I think they, they did a great job of like, okay, we're going to pick up where we left off in civil war. We're going to kind of mentor you. Like you said, a few minutes ago, few minutes ago, Jordan, and then like, let him kind of float on his own and see how much he struggles because he's still young. He's just a kid. Yep. Um, he can't do it on his own at this point. And so, um, in a second, Tony would be there for him. And, and I think that you felt that throughout this movie, like you knew that Tony would be there if something went catastrophically wrong. And he was, um, and they didn't overplay it and he didn't ever stay as welcome. And I think that that, really helped propel this movie being, 
I think it helped propel this movie and this trilogy because, you know, we didn't know what to expect going into this, this set of movies because of what we saw with the Tobey Maguire movies and the Garfield movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they had to like, they had to continue the story like they were, you know, in Civil War and then moving forward and what we were going to get in Infinity War and Endgame and then even building upon this franchise. And we saw that it's obviously paid off because he's getting, you know, all these other movies and all these other projects. He's got, what, six more projects already on his slate? So, like, I think it worked out. Like, I think that other characters, like, not that, that, like, other moments in the MCU weren't successful, but I think if they would have taken the same approach that they did in Homecoming, where they kind of had a buddy movie, but it wasn't a buddy movie, they had mentoring, but they didn't have mentoring. Some of these other characters that we don't know very much about, like a Moon Knight, like... Um, uh, Shang-Chi, whoever, right? Like, if they would have had more of a... Uh, all right, we're going to have you tag-team partner with, with Thor, or we're going to have you tag-team partner with Doctor Strange, sort of like, you know, what they did with No Way Home. Yeah. Uh, some of these characters would be more well-established, I think, at this point, if that makes sense. I think well, I'm saying all that to say that the whole idea of Iron Man, Tony Stark... I enjoyed it because, you know, Iron Man's one of my favorites. So, like, why not? Yeah. No, I, I think that Spider-Man in comics has always had this admiration for Tony Stark and for him to kind of switch things up. And like, I didn't, I don't know why, Jordan, but when I watched it today, I really noticed, I think it was because I had the volume turned down, like not all the way, but, you know, I could kind of hear it. Yeah. I could just see the facial expressions that he... Uh-huh has towards tony in these movies like their the reactions and how much he just admires and looks up to him as a person well and tom holland has a very special relationship with rdj and so that that same relationship kind of is there so it, it paired very well um if you listen to some of the things that he says throughout the years in his his uh interviews like it just it sits really well with yeah that makes sense like you're a big big fan of rdj so mm-hmm. If there was a change that you could make in this movie, what change would you make? Not doing it sooner in the MCU. No, I, I, Fair. <laughs> I feel like that's a cop-out answer. I think, okay, yes. So that or uh, the MJ thing. I would have probably not. Just instead of saying her name was Michelle or whatever, just MJ all the way through? Yeah. And not done. Well, I don't know if I would have done the other story or not. With with Vulture's daughter and and all that stuff. I don't know. Is that what you mean as far as the MJ thing, or just like Zendaya being MJ and just letting it be known that it's MJ from the top? Yeah, I would say just let her know, or just let us know that it was MJ from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would have done. Either that or done done this version of Spider Man sooner in the MCU. Yeah. I think for me, again, it just comes down to the the deleted scene i wish you would have tied it back to winter soldier only because i'm a huge winter soldier fan and i would have loved to see the aftermath like because they started to bring in um the department of damage control um dodc when they brought the dodc in i just feel like that would have been a really cool hey we're still cleaning up the mess of the triskelion um and to hear a little bit more of like the world that's around them because like if he would have sat in a history class um and been like all right Let's talk about 
Captain America and the Howling Commandos. This is what we're talking about this week. Or, hey, we're going to talk about, in science class, we're going to talk about Thor and the Asgardians. Um, because, like, later on, they're like, yeah, we talk about Thor in my history class or whatnot, or in my science class. Um, like, you, you could easily have created some of those moments. Um, and I thought that, I thought, I, I really don't have any problems with this movie. Like, it was so good all the way around. Yeah. Solid film. Absolutely. All right. The last question, which we typically ask, is scale of 1 to 10, 10 being great, 1 being trash, where would you line it up? Where would, where would you, what would you give it? Where would you line it up? Oh, I'd give it a 10. This is one of those few films I would give a 10. I, I, I can't say that this was a movie that I would argue that there's any points that I'm like, like, I love Far From Home. I love No Way Home, but I don't know that I could give them a 10. I feel like this is the one movie out of the Spider-Man, the entire Spider-Man franchise of all Spider-Man movies that I could give a solid 10 to. And and not not feel guilty walking away saying oh I gave it a, like the full score. I I would probably go nine. That's fair. I gave Guardians three and nine and a half, and it's probably the highest score I've given a movie. Um, when we rate them, um, yeah, I would just give it a nine because again I agree that it's one of the most solid films in the MCU. I, I love how it both um, illustrates that Spider-Man's in the MCU, but it's also a great origin story. And uh, it's not often, well, they did it with kind of with the X-Men stuff with, with Wolverine, but like, it's not often that you introduce a character and then you get the origin story. And so they did that because they, they brought him in for, for civil war and then they go back and they do homecoming. And so, yeah. um, just very compelling storytelling. And uh, I yeah. had not watched Tom Holland much up until this point. And I've seen some I don't of the know other that stuff he'd he had a whole lot up right. until that point. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I think that he I've I've watched Uncharted and I watched some other projects that he's been in besides Spider-Man. Oh, but, like stuff since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like up until that point, I, I was like, I didn't know what to expect. And he he's just absolutely blown out of the water. Spider-Man. Yeah. And Peter Parker. I yeah he's he's crushed it and I would argue he's crushed it on almost everything he's done he mm -hmm. he's a very very solid actor yeah. and you gotta you gotta admit and this is which I'm surprised we didn't talk about in this episode but we are, are wrapping up the music was great too like the oh. whole the 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 music was just phenomenal Michael Gattino yep uh Rogue One the Batman all three of these Spider-Man movies uh um, Werewolf by Night direction like in his dick dick directorial debut so yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Fun fact about Michael Gacchino: he they they hired a guy to do the Rogue One film score. They fired the guy about two months before the movie was going to be released, and they gave Michael Gacchino the film score, and he wrote it in six weeks. Yeah, that's nuts. I've you've you've told me that one before when For we Rogue talked one. about some of the others, and that's just crazy. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch all of you guys here next time on Nerd Talk.